We've got the New York City mayor's race today for the Democrat primary. Will defund the police be rejected? A Wuhan lab leak denier is removed from a U.N. commission looking into the Wuhan coronavirus. Chuck Todd says critical race theory backlash is manufactured. And Kristen Cinema has an op-ed saying keep the filibuster. Welcome to the Freedom Hut, my friends. Great to have you with me as always. I had missed you for a few days last week. I am so sorry that I was away from the hut, as it were. And now, great to be back in action here and getting a chance to talk to all of you. I'm deep, I mean way down, into the details of this New York City mayor's race. It affects everything about defund the police. That's what I want you to understand. Before we go any further into One city's mayor, I want you to know that defund the police nationwide is in some ways, not entirely, but in some ways on the ballot. And I think this is going to be really instructive about what the future looks like with regard to that. So we'll get to that in just a moment. That's going to be top of our agenda today. But I I also just want to point out to you that Independence Day is less than two weeks away And what better symbol could there possibly be to celebrate than the American flag? I mean, there is no better symbol. You've heard me talk about how special it is to have an American flag flying in front of your home, your dock, your boat for the last several weeks. And not just any flag, but one that's actually made in America. One that is manufactured with such a high level of quality that it doesn't get tangled, torn or shredded like others so easily do. That's where Allegiance Flag Supply comes in. Their commitment to making these flags in the U.S., coupled with the incredible craftsmanship done by their team of seamstresses in Charleston, South Carolina, makes this the flag I've been recommending to everyone this summer. My parents have one out on their balcony. They love it. And while I hear many of you out there have already jumped on the Buck promo code, there's still time for those of you who haven't yet gotten one for your Independence Day celebration. Right. Fourth of July coming up. Independence Day, everybody. So here's how you do it. Go to showallegiance.com and enter promo code buck for 10 percent off your order. Again, go to showallegiance.com, enter promo code buck for 10 percent off your order and get yours in time for Independence Day. That's showallegiance.com, promo code buck for 10 percent off. What happens when you have people seeing for themselves day in and day out? what it means to undermine law enforcement, to make the lives of police more difficult, that actually put them and those they are supposed to serve and protect at greater risk from violent crime. What, what actually happens? Do, do people recognize the problem and address it, or are they somehow fooled? Are they convinced of, of untrue narratives? Are they able to be distracted by nonsense in the media? Because, as we know, The Democrat Party has embraced, embraced this defund the police idiocy. And I don't say that lightly. I'm I'm not just putting that out there so that I can take a a shot at the left, which is always fun. This is crazy. As I've said, it is the dumbest idea the Democrats have had or the dumbest slogan they've had since walls don't work. Right. How could anyone have said that out loud? How could any adult human being have gone around saying walls don't work? It's like saying doors don't work. It's just so stupid that it's hard to believe, but it, it gained a lot of traction. And you'll remember with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez leading the charge, abolish ICE was another rallying cry of the left under the Trump administration. Not not reform 
not make sure that it's lean, mean, and streamlined, or not mean, of course, because that would be bad, but not make sure that it's more effective in its mission, but defund it, get rid of it, abolish it. Well, now we've had a year of defund the police, and the numbers are all quite clear. Crime surge increased this time versus last time uh, year to year. Portland, homicides up 533%, shootings up 126%. Atlanta, homicides up 58%, shootings up 40%. Philadelphia, 37% increase in homicides, 27% increase in shootings. New York City, 13% increase in homicides, 64% increase in shootings. Los Angeles, 22% homicides, 51% shootings. And Chicago, up 5% in homicides, up 18% in shootings. This is just year to year. Year over year, folks, you're, you're talking about, in some cases, massive increases. And Portland, isn't it fascinating that Portland is there uh, at, the, at the very top of the increases? But Portland has decided that they have uh, they've going to they're going to lean into this a little bit. All right. Portland tourism bosses are slammed for taking out full-page ad in the New York Times, admitting the riot-hit city has an edge, but locals still love it. I mean, this is real. This is serious. I mean, they they actually did this. Full-page ad. Here's what it says. Remember, folks, this is a place that has had a 5x increase in homicides year over year. This is a place where there are, it seems like nightly, maybe they're weekly, riots in downtown with Antifa cosplay lunatics throwing Molotov cocktails at cops, doing all kinds of madness. And here's what folks in Portland, it's it's amazing, isn't it? The tourism bosses, I mean, the people who are in charge of getting you to go visit, here's what they say uh, in this full-page New York Times ad. You've heard a lot about us lately. It's been a while since you heard from us. Some of what you've heard about Portland is true. Some is not. What matters most is that we're true to ourselves. There's a river that cuts through the middle of our town. It divides the east and the west, but it's bridged over and over again. Twelve times, to be specific, and that's kind of a great metaphor for this city. We're a place of dualities that are never uh, polarities. Two sides to the same coin that keep landing right on its edge. Anything can happen. We like it this way. This is the kind of place where new ideas are welcome, whether they're creative, cutting edge, or curious at first glance. You can speak up here. You can be yourself. We have some of the loudest voices on the West Coast. Yes, passion pushes the volume all the way up. We've always been like this. We wouldn't have it any other way. Come see for yourself. These people are out of their minds. I mean, this is their version of, yeah, okay, so sometimes things get a little crazy, but yeah, this is them trying to tell you that it used to be the Keep Portland Weird slogan, which I know Austin also uses. Keep Portland weird. Now it's keep Portland and an anarchic, tough word to say, anarchic mess uh, with lawlessness and absurdity and insanity on the streets. That's what's actually happening. And it's just how many places can we look at? How many places can we point to where we immediately can see the numbers, but also just the perception has rapidly deteriorated? As a result, now now is where we get into why and how this plays out in New York City. As a result of the defund the police narrative, which it's not just a narrative, too. It's really a political framework. 
Everyone needs to remember that. This is not this is not the same as when AOC was, oh my gosh, like we should totally get rid of immigration and customs enforcement. Because like they're like so bad and they're so mean. Uh, she was saying stupid stuff like that, but not quite in those words. But there was never actually a movement to do it. There were cities, including New York, that defunded police, that took money out of the budget, which resulted in a dramatic change in the deployment of law enforcement resources. Same thing in Minneapolis. So here's just another example. Just just data points for you. A survey of roughly 200 police departments finds that retirements are up 45 percent and resignations are up 18 percent when compared with the previous year. So this is not one police department because what they keep doing is saying, oh, that's just one city. That doesn't represent the whole. Well, when you start to aggregate the data, the trend is even more clear. What you see in one city here, one city there is even more apparent when you add in a whole bunch of data sets for major metropolitan areas across the United States. So 200 police departments and a 45 percent retirement increase. Do you think that all of a sudden there was a big bulge uh, in the age bracket here of people that wanted to get out all of a sudden? Or was it just that they realized better go now before my pensions in jeopardy because of some B.S. investigation, not just from a lethal force incident? You got to remember that. Oh, no, there's so much more under this uh, Biden Justice Department. They're going to be trying to find police departments to do a a full, uh, shall we say, a full audit in the name of critical race theory and and finding racism. They're, they're going to go deep diving, looking for systemic racism, looking for evidence that someone who works for a certain police department passed along a racially insensitive email or text message at some point, and then they'll say, aha, we need federal oversight of this department now. We, we need to actually put you in a consent decree situation. That's what they call it. So understand that it's not just the lethal force incidents. It's people just trying to do, it's guys doing desk jobs too. And you could say, well, if you haven't done anything, this is a very, a very uh, Soviet secret police mentality. But if you haven't done anything, you have nothing to fear. It's actually also not true. As somebody who worked in a very large police department and was around for some internal investigations that occurred, not of me. I was I, I kept it. I, I kept a clean, a clean sheet, folks. I kept it all good. But I, I was aware of and occasionally, uh, let's just say, far too close for comfort to some internal affairs situations. And it, it can it can ruin people's careers, even when they're found innocent. The process at some level is the punishment. So you have to remember that as well. It's more than just, okay, we have some people who are who are bad apples. We have to find them. No, you're, you're going to put all the apples in a very uh, confined and uncomfortable bin or uh, barrel, whatever, wherever you put apples. So this is why it's important to understand the overall trend among law enforcement agencies across the country. And, and this is happening because... They know that they don't have political backing to do their jobs. And when the state's use of force is always going to be undermined by the whims of the mob, and that's what's really happening here, you're going to constantly have law enforcement feeling like they can't really do their jobs because it is a tough job. It's not 
being a uh, public school administrator who has to zoom into a meeting once a day. It's actually challenging and there are real risks to being in law enforcement. But you wouldn't know it from the way that it's talked about by the leftists. They always, always seem to take the side of the criminal. This is something that if you just pay attention to the way they cover the news, if you watch MSNBC and CNN, just for a, just for a few shows for a few nights, you'll see that the, the two greatest threats, we are in a period of a surge of violence, of homicides, of shootings in America. And this is beyond dispute. This is a matter of facts and figures. It is known. It is clear. Well, then, why is it that when you turn on these other channels or when you click on the New York Times, the Washington Post, and those are just the top of the heap of the leftist trash sites that are out there, right? There are so many of them, I can't name them all. But why is it that when you click on them, you'll see a fixation on the insurrection? And if they can, some story about a cop somewhere who had to use lethal force And they'll leave out, this is one of their favorite tactics, they'll leave out key data points that make it seem in the early hours like this must have been another another one of those racist police uh, killings of an unarmed black man. That's the narrative. That's the story that they go for. You're observing it because it's there. Always remember this, whether you're looking 50 years back in the Soviet Union or you're thinking about America today. When the people who seek to control you insist that you cannot observe what is around you, you are in a fight for reality. And that's what's actually happening in the country today about law enforcement. And there are very powerful forces that are arrayed against this. There are a lot of folks out there who don't believe that it really matters. I know that it's a it's a harsh thing to say, but it's a true thing to say. It doesn't matter that cops are leaving their departments. They view this as a necessary transformation. And and I understand that you're thinking this is crazy. They can't. No, they do. They view this as a as a necessary process of transition because there is even on the left. And I've spoken to leftists about this and abolish the police idea. But they can't get there right away. They know the public's not quite with them. They went with defund even though it's very vague, very open-ended, because they, even in the aftermath of the George Floyd incident, they knew that abolish the police just sounded like a, a criminal's dream come true. I mean, this is insane. But that is something that they do believe they can achieve. And you'd say, well, what do they want in place of it? Social workers, community violence interrupters. Do you think I just made up that phrase, by the way? Because I didn't. That's a thing that they actually talk about on the left. Violence interrupters in some places even a program they've tried to institute yeah i i I know of some violence interrupters they're the men and women who carry badges and guns for their local and state police departments and stop people from doing bad things including bad people from doing bad things you know there are the mistakes that any of us could have made and then there is always in society a very very small percentage of a truly malevolent criminal element that seeks to prey upon everyone else And we can either have it be rule of the strong. I know a lot of you are going to say, well, Buck, I've got four ARs and I've got my EOTechs and I'm all ready to go. And, you know, but we actually don't want to have to be our own police force uh, day in and day out. 
At least not right now. <laughs> we're, not, we're not ready for that, folks. We're, we're not prepared for it. Certainly not in, uh, in major cities. And remember, for everyone who thinks that that would work out in some theoretical sense, because, well, you'd have people that would step in and they would stop violence from occurring. Okay, but without a police force, I mean, what are you, who's going to handle 90 you know, 5%, 99%, I'm making up this number, but uh, as you know, almost all of what law enforcement's doing day in and day out is not about violent crime, it's about property crime, it's about, you know, uh, traffic accidents and just things like that. So this is where rule of law does come in. Yes, of course, having firearms to defend yourself and your family is a is a basic right, not just a constitutional right, a natural law right, but we do need people to... You know, we need people to direct the traffic. I don't know what I'm saying. That's, I think that's going to have to continue on for quite some time. But I, I want to dive into the New York City mayor race and why this matters so much when it comes to uh, defund the police and, and what it could mean for the, for the whole country. But first, I don't know if you've ever had this experience. I have. Um, and it's where you have a problem. Like I got an order from something uh, from something that I bought online and it was wrong. They, they had a problem with it. And I was able to use a text messaging service, Podium, to tell them what the what the problem was, give them my order number. They got it fixed. I got the, the new order shipped and I was good to go. It took less than a minute. I mean, maybe 45 seconds to for the whole transaction. No calling, no talking, no nothing. You can do this, too. This is the next level that Podium brings to your business, right? For all the business owners out there, Podium is the messaging platform to power your business. It helps you reach customers wherever they are. Business messaging with Podium helps you gain reviews, collect payments, communicate with customers, and capture leads all from a single inbox. Podium helps you adapt to the changing customer expectations, all right, that are out there right now in the marketplace. Because as I've told you, when I find a business that I can text, I'm going to use that business because it's just more convenient. For example, South Tampa Family and Cosmetic Dentistry collected nearly 1,200 reviews, averaging 4.9 stars using the Podium platform. The number of walk-ins as a result of our reviews has skyrocketed. Before, we were seeing maybe 50 to 100 new patients. Now it's more like 200. This is Dr. Wyatt of South Tampa Family and Cosmetic Dentistry. We have so many of these success cases, success stories from using the Podium app. So, If you're obviously a doctor, a dentist, whatever your small business is, whatever your business is, Podium is a great addition to your customer service and your day-to-day operations. Find out how Podium can help your business reach more customers. Get started free today at Podium.com slash buck. That's Podium.com, P-O-D-I-U-M, Podium.com slash buck. Who's going to be the next mayor of America's biggest city? Now, before you start to say, Buck, I live in I live in rural Idaho or I'm in central Michigan or I live in Texas where we still have some sanity. I get it. But the New York City mayor's race is a microcosm of what the national conversation is turning into right now around law enforcement issues. And so that's why it matters to see who comes out on top. Now, there is. There, there are a handful of Republicans in the race, Mateo and uh, and Curtis Sliba. Now, Curtis, everyone that I know who knows Curtis, I, I've interviewed him. I don't know him well. Says he's a really good guy, understands how to clean up the city, would be very tough on crime. And remember, tough on crime means uh, protective and supportive 
of the 99.9% of people who just want to live in their neighborhood safely, right? Tough on crime is a good thing. I know Democrats sometimes need to hear that. But it's unfortunately an eight to one advantage in New York City by registration. The Democrats greatly outnumber and outvote Republicans. And that's why it's probably going to be one of these Democrat candidates. You've got Eric Adams, Sean Donovan. Uh, so Eric Adams is a former police captain, and he's the borough president for Brooklyn. Sean Donovan, a former federal housing secretary. Catherine Garcia, former city sanitation commissioner. Uh, Raymond McGuire, he's a wealthy Wall Street guy, Wall Street executive. Uh, Diane Morales, a nonprofit executive. She's got no shot. Scott Stringer, the city comptroller. He's had a recent scandal. I think he's got no shot. Maya Wiley. A radical leftist supported by AOC, who was a counsel to Mayor Bill de Blasio, which should mean that that alone should block her from even being in in contention. And then Andrew Yang, the most famous of all these candidates because of his presidential run. Interesting to see how this is shaking out. Remember, New York's got a little over eight million people lost, lost some pretty substantial population in the last uh, 18 months or so. But. Here's here's how this all breaks down. Yang is the universal basic income guy who also wants to be pretty business friendly and bring tourism back to New York. Other than that, he doesn't really seem to have a strong core of beliefs on anything. It's kind of just whatever he thinks he's supposed to say in the moment. Scott Stringer, kind of a typical left wing Democrat machine politician. Uh, McGuire is. He's smart. I mean, he was a very successful Wall Street executive. Uh, he's less uh, less frightening as a candidate to me than many of the many of the others. Uh, Catherine Garcia, sanitation commissioner. OK, she look garbage pickup. They cut the sanitation budget in New York by a lot uh, over 100 million dollars, I believe. And so the streets have been filthy and smelly and it's gross. Yeah, I know a lot of you are. Yeah, Buck, move to Florida, move to Texas. Although California, you better not be pointing any fingers about bad governance right now, because I know I know what's going on in Los Angeles and San Francisco. I got a lot of friends in those places. I'm just saying. So you're you're in this with me, California. Don't don't start getting don't start getting uppity with me. And then there's Eric Adams, who is the number one in the polling right now, the Brooklyn Borough president. Here's why this is this is important, why this matters for all of you, right? Not 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 to force you to think about a, a mayoral election that doesn't really affect you directly, because most of you listening to this are all across the country and not living in New York City. But the only reason Eric Adams is leading is because he's the guy who seems as a Democrat to be the toughest on crime. And the mo- and that really means the most supportive of law enforcement. He is somebody who would even consider bringing back some of the special tactic uh, tactics and uh, and procedures teams that the NYPD got rid of the plainclothes unit, for example, which was a very effective anti-crime unit. So he's he's somebody who is supportive enough of law enforcement that you feel like the city would have a fighting chance. So Eric Adams may, in fact, be the guy. Uh, but then you look down the list, I don't think it's going to be Yang. Yang's not, you know, he just, he has some star power because he created a brand for himself in the last Democratic election, but I don't see it. Uh, then you have Maya Wiley. And Maya Wiley didn't really get all that much attention until recently, but 
She's someone who has the backing of AOC. So the radical left, she's the there's a lot of leftists in this race, but she's the the chosen uh, the, the chosen front runner for the radical left. And she's somebody who wants to continue with budget cuts to the NYPD. She's somebody who really believes that this current trend of undermining law enforcement, cutting back their funding, cutting back on their budgets is the best thing for New York. Now, that's fascinating because she is the classic liberal, the the ultimate liberal in so many ways, because she lives in an almost $3 million mansion in Brooklyn and pays dues to a, a to an association, a neighborhood association, that has private security. Oh, wait a second. You mean the, the the lady who wants to defund police for 8 million other people, not including the wealthy and the elites who have private security and all the rest of it, but th- those folks, um, those folks, it's too bad, but she wants to have her own private security force to make sure that, you know, no one graffitis up her neighborhood or breaks her window or does much worse stuff than that on her front lawn. And, you know, we, we are all very aware of this hypocrisy. And while it won't be represented in the way that the media covers it as some major repudiation, no matter what, the, the media will never admit that defund the police was a reckless thing pushed by people not affected by the bad outcome here, pushed by people who knew that they would continue to be safe. And then beyond that, uh, who are dishonest about the outcome, right? Who won't even tell you the truth. Why was defund the police such a disaster? Well, they don't want to say. They certainly don't want to look at the data. They don't want to look at what ended up uh, happening in city after city. So the radical left-wing candidate, if Maya Wiley, because they have ranked voting in New York, so it's going to be, it's tough to say who's going to win because your first if you don't get to 50 percent with all these different candidates, then it goes into a ranked system and then they keep dropping. They do a a recount, but they drop the bottom ranked person of all the rankings. So you rank one through five. And so, you know, the, the fifth tier candidate goes and then the fourth tier candidate and then they retabulate all the votes based upon the ranking system. If Maya Wiley wins the New York City mayor's race. Uh, I'm telling you, New York City is is done for the next five to 10 years. It's over. You're going to see people, anybody who is either uh, who, who is in a position to to leave is going to say, I'm out. Now, I know a lot of people can't. They got family there. They got people they got to take care of. Their job is there. So that's the thing. Democrats, you know, they, they turn it into like a Shawshank situation. They're like, what do you mean? Why won't you leave? And you're like, well, because of all the. The bars and the gates, and it's not its not that easy to leave, right? They, they want to keep you there. But like Andy Dufresne, I'm going to be breaking out of the tunnel and having the thunder and lightning flash light on my face. If it, it, and, and it's going to be either to, to Florida or, or to somewhere because I, I can't handle having a defund the police radical uh, running the city of New York. It's just too insane. After what the city's been through? But if she loses and Eric Adams wins, it's because people have started to have enough. And we may be at the turning of the tide. We may be at the point where people start to see the reality of what has really happened here. All right. Critical race theory. This is 
fascinating to me um, because for a long time, critical race theory was something I, I wrote. I think I mentioned this to you before. I, I wrote on my uh, my senior thesis was effectively about critical race theory and how it applies to campus college campus speech codes. This is when I was an undergraduate in political science and that the the basis for speech codes was essentially there's there are disparities in society because of structural racism. So while we can all agree that there should be free speech, comma, there really shouldn't be free speech because some people are more able to be hurt with words than others. And some people are more likely to be oppressed with words than other people are. And see, that's that's how they applied the critical race theory framework, that racial Marxism of CRT and the way that it was applied. So now we look at what's going on today and. A lot of people have found out, especially because they've been home during uh, during Zoom teaching sessions for their kids. A lot of people have found out what kind of stuff are we being taught or are kids being taught? Well, we, the American people, but our children, what are they being taught? And they see this critical race theory garbage, this divisive victimology, oppressor obsessed garbage. That is so uh, destructive to the fabric of this country when people believe this stuff um, and, and notice that there's never an there's never a a fix other than put the critical race theorists and their allies in charge. Give them more power. That's the only answer. There's no actual we just want that. Just give us this. Just pass this legislation. Change this rule. Or even here's a system we could all agree on. It's let us make the decisions. Give us power. Oh. Isn't that so convenient? But there's a defensiveness now about CRT. People are seeing what it is. And so on the other side now, people are also starting to say, "Uh uh-oh, they're figuring this out. And that's why you have this constant shifting, this constant maneuvering going on in the media where one minute it's, oh, that's not CRT. The next minute it's, oh, well, this person who's criticizing it, they don't have a degree in critical race theory, so they can't talk about it. They don't have a Ph.D. in CRT. And then it's CRT isn't even really a thing. It's not even really being taught in schools. Oh, this is all just in your imagination. They're lying. They're gaslighting. They're misdirecting all over the place. Chuck Schumer I'm sorry, not Chuck Schumer, Chuck Todd, <laughs> a different awful Chuck. There's some bad Chucks out there um, had had a show, uh, you know, one of those morning shows that or Sunday shows that only people who work in politics watch. And I do it so I can trash it the, ne- the next day because it's supposed to set the Democrat narrative for the week. And it's just left wing talking points garbage. Here's Chuck Todd on on parental criticism of CRT. Play 11. You mentioned critical race theory a couple times. This is a parent-led backlash at the grassroots level. It's, and it's manufactured. No, it's, and it's fi- completely. And then, it, and then sort of elected officials have been lit. The up. fire was lit. I disagree. Yeah. I think it started because p- parents have had it with the education bureaucracy after COVID. Mm-hmm. They're fed up with it. They tend to trust Democrats when it comes to education funding, but they trust Republicans on education accountability. I think that what the backlash you're seeing on critical race theory in schools is another example of parents trying to hold educators accountable. It's coordinated. It's aggressive. It's intentional, right? This is this is part of the the, the tribalism play. The critical race theory is is yet another tool in the in the, in the, in the racial tribal boogeyman's toolbox to drive and inflame tribalism, which Republicans think 
thinks helps them in, in, in elections. This is this is this is Trump 2.0. This is a, is, a, is a continuation of this, right? Critical race theory is is an arcane sort of ideal. Why is it front and center right now? The same reason that Mitch McConnell attacked Stacey Abrams when she came out for the for the vote for the voting bill. It is racial. It is tribalism. We've seen it grow under Trump, and this is part and partial of it. And they think this helps ignite their base. There's no way this is not grassroots. And Brad, you know this is organized and is being paid for. It absolutely is grassroots. So that individual on that panel who's just saying so many either stupid or false things, depending on which one we're talking about. Uh, it's just not true. I mean, I, I have emails all over the, from all over the country from parents who are horrified. Schools that I know in New York City, schools that I went to in New York City are teaching critical race theory and the parents are telling me about it. They're sending me the actual teaching materials. But but let's before we get into the gaslighting of there really is no CRT before we go in down that pathway. Let's start with this. Another important thought here. Um, notice that the way that uh, way that they set this up, the way that this is being um, discussed. If you criticize CRT, you're being a racist. If you criticize CRT, you're being racist. That is so convenient, isn't it? Or you're being, uh, it's racial, I believe he referred to it as uh, racial tribalism was the quote used there. If, but think about this, all right? The, uh, an entire ideology that's meant to give an excuse to any leftist to call anything or anyone racist the defense of it is criticizing that ideology is itself racist. Oh, isn't that so helpful? Oh, isn't that so convenient? Yes. Criticizing the very ideology of CRT is a racist act. What could be more perfect than that? What could be more obvious than that, right? Of course, it's completely insane. It's absurd. But this is what we are dealing with in the realm of CRT. This is what is actually happening across the country. There are all these different defenses of it and all these different justifications for it because no one defense will withstand scrutiny. No person, and this is why uh, Chris Rufo, when he was challenged, or challenging rather, Joy Reid, and saying, let me come on your show, she said no, of course, and said that it was a white man's demand, I believe was the quote, or the demand of a white man, um, which, is, I mean, I thought it was a really ugly thing to say, I, I really, but not surprising. MSNBC, I mean, she's a minority anchor on MSNBC, and she's going to always have much greater leeway, and that's putting it mildly, than somebody who was not in those categories, uh, demographic categories at MSNBC. We all know there's a difference in standards, a double standard. But she trashes Chris Rufo, who has done, you know what his work has, and by the way, he's done great work, and I'm, I'm a supporter of what he's done, to be very clear, but it's pretty straightforward. He's just found in schools, in government uh, facilities and agencies, he's found critical race theory teaching and shown it to the public. And what did the Democrats initially say? Oh, that's 
that's not really CRT, or that's just a one-off, or that's just always trying to minimize. And now they realize the minimization game isn't working. People are starting to see this for what it really is. So then they, they try the outright gaslighting, which is a, an extreme of minimization meant to unbalance you. Hold on a second. We went from, oh, it's not that much to there's none? How does that happen? They do the same thing with uh, voter fraud, by the way. Democrats will always. What's the first thing we hear from Democrats? There is no voter fraud. And then eventually they're in a position where somebody will fact check them and say, well, people go to prison for it. There definitely is voter fraud. And they go, oh, fine. But they would say there is no voter fraud because a lot of people hear that and go, well, I guess there is no voter fraud. There is no CRT teaching in a systematic way in America. It's a lie. But a lot of people will hear that and they'll just say, yeah. You know, and then the person that brings it up, the person that wants to address CRT is the problem. You see, they're they're lying because they're the ones talking about this. I'm I'm continuing to wonder how long they can they can keep this up and, and keep up this pretense that. This is somehow a right wing. This is a right wing thing. They've seized. The left has seized control of our classrooms. They're indoctrinating kids all across the country. And when we say, hey, this is what's going on, they're going, what are you talking about? Why are you so focused on this? Why are you making such a big deal of it? Right. It's kind of like the the toxic relationship. Some of you may have had toxic relationships in the past. I, I have had a couple of myself, not terribly toxic, but I've had, you know, I'm almost 40 years old and I've. I've had my share of uh, of relationships and, you know, it's it's one of those things where you could say, hey, you know, we were supposed to have dinner with my family and you were, you know, you're like 45 minutes late and you really only told me 10 minutes before you arrived. And, you know, could you and it's, you know, you didn't clean the dishes last night. This is a way of avoiding the subject at hand. And it just destroys all trust because you're not operating on a plane of of rational thought and, and reasonableness. That's what Democrats are doing on critical race theory. We say, hold on a second, look what's going on here. They say, that's not what's going on. We say, no, we think it is. How dare you bring this up? It's manufactured. This is the game that they play. You know, something that I do every day uh, now is I invest. I'm, I'm a stock investor. Uh, I'm not somebody who thinks of it as gaming the market or trying to play the market. I try to take long-term, a long-term view and build over time. Right. And that's why I want you to learn about my friends at Carnivore Trading, because they can teach you. I know how to invest. Carnivore Trading is teaching me how to trade well. You see, Wall Street has been lying for years, saying that 7 percent is a good return on stocks. It's really not. And they tell you that trading is so complicated, you have to have a financial advisor. But you actually don't. There are real people out there who are making 30 percent, 50 percent, even 100 percent a year on their money trading stocks. And even when the market is tough. Carnivore Trading is an anonymous team of elite Wall Street strategists. There are legends among Wall Street heavy hitters, and now they've gone a bit rogue. They're allowing everyday folks like us to see and mirror their explosive trades. Sound too good to be true? Carnivore will let you see the trades they're making right now for free. Go to GetOurTrades.com and use promo code BUCK to get two weeks free. And if you join, Carnivore guarantees you'll get five times your subscription fee or double your money back. Go to GetOurTrades.com, promo code BUCK. That's GetOurTrades.com, promo code BUCK. See website for guarantee terms and conditions, past performance, not a guarantee of future earnings. Kristen Cinema standing strong with the filibuster. 
I got to tell you, I know you're going to, some, some of you are going to yell at me and I maybe deserve it. But, you know, cinema's, I don't know, she's, she's not the worst. She's not the worst of the libs, okay? She's okay. I'm, I think she's all right. Of the, of the, if you have to pick a, a Democrat senator, I think she'd be at the, at the upper end of Democrat senators. So that means she's wrong. You know, she votes the wrong way or she takes the wrong position, you know, 95% of the time. Because most of the Democrats, it's 100%. They never surprise you. So to be the best of the worst, in a sense, as a Democrat is to be a Kristen Cinema who at least says, you know what, the filibuster is something that we got to keep. The filibuster is worth having. Um, we have more to lose than gain by ending the filibuster. This was in the Washington Post. Here's here's what she writes. And that's right. I'm, I'm actually going to quote a little bit from Kristen. By the way, it's so hard. We got to come together as a nation. We got to come together as a country and decide whether it's Kirsten or Kristen. OK, we can't have both these names, folks. We are we're a civilized nation. It's Kirsten or Kristen. I can't do both. All right. Everyday Arizona, she writes, are focused on questions that matter most in their daily lives. Is my job secure? Can I expand my business? OK, yada, yada, yada. Arizonans expect me to do what I promised when I ran for the House and the Senate to be independent like Arizona and to work with anyone to achieve lasting results. That means rather than temporary victories designed to be uh, destined to be reversed, undermining the certainty that America's families and employers depend on the best way to achieve durable, lasting results, bipartisan cooperation. That's right. Bipartisan cooperation. It's no secret that I oppose limiting the Senate's 60 to uh, 60 vote threshold. I held the same view during three terms in the U.S. House and said the same after I was elected to the Senate in 2018. If anyone expected me to reverse my position because my party now controls the Senate, they should know that my approach to legislating in Congress is the same, whether in the minority or the majority. Folks, she she's defending the filibuster and she's doing so at least making an argument based upon principle. Defending the filibuster with an argument based on principle. It's amazing, isn't it? Look, I call balls and strikes when Democrats do the right thing. I don't trash it just because it's a Democrat. I don't disagree with it just because it's a Democrat. I say, all right, looks like we got something. Looks like we uh, we've you know got to point this one out and say, OK, you know, maybe they need a John McCain on their side once in a while. You know, isn't that isn't that nice? That's basically what this is, because Democrats, leftist Democrats are seething over this furious over this and no surprise because it means that basically there's not going to be uh there's not going to be a steamroller of legislation coming out from the democrat party so now we're just gonna you can expect pretty much for at least the rest of this year democrat status quo yeah annoying regulations too much spending high taxes some more you know dumb statements on whether it's foreign policy or energy or whatever, but they're not, there's not a, if this holds, I know some of you are going to yell me, Buck, but she could change her mind. I know there's still pressure and maybe she's just raising the price of her changing her mind with this op-ed, but if she holds and this current balance in the Senate stays where it is on this issue of the filibuster, there's not going to be an Obamacare level legislative event in Biden's first term. This is not going to happen. Now, 
that paradoxically, and this is where we really get into some 4D chess, that may be helpful to Democrats. It would be uh, it would be bad for the country for them to get through a massive like a massive amnesty, for example. That would I that would be very bad for the country, I believe. But because they can't do that, what are they going to be saying going in the midterms? Obstruction, obstruction, obstruction. And they're going to say things aren't that bad. That's the Demo- the Democrat version of good is we're not in a, you know, in a giant war or a horrible depression. Vote for us again. But that's what I think you're going to see. And that's uh, that's going to be very interesting how this how this dynamic ends up playing out going into uh, the midterm elections, which are going to be here before you know it, folks. It's already June. We're going to be in the fall. Once you hit the fall, you're in a, you're in that 12 month political cycle. We're in a midterm year. It's going to be turning. The, all the engines are going to start. It's going to happen. I know I said I would get into the uh, guy got kicked out of the uh, U.N. commission to look in the lab leak. Uh, Dazak. Let's let's leave that one. Let's give you a little teaser here, a little cliffhanger. Producer Mark, who is still with me, by the way, producer Mark is producing the Buck Sexton uh, podcast and doing other things with me. For those of you who are wondering where our beloved producer Mark is. Uh, he is still with me here every day on this show and will be joining us for Friday roll calls. So we're excited about that. There will You will be hearing from my, my buddy, producer Mark. And uh, tomorrow we will have a an update on this Wuhan lab leak denier being removed from the UN Commission. I know I said I'd get to that today, but you got to listen to the pod tomorrow. And please, folks, I love the ability to do this show and I really want to see folks uh, learn about it who don't already know Obviously, we're, I'm now doing a daily radio show. That's the uh, largest radio show by audience in, in America, according to Nielsen. So uh, I, I know that there's a lot of focus on that, but I really want to get the word out about this podcast, too, because I get to just I get to go uh, go buck wild here. You know, I get to do my buck stuff. So that is uh, my ask for all of you. Continue to pass the buck. Spread the word about what we are doing here. Uh, this will be back tomorrow. I mean, we're putting the podcast up now as early as we can in the morning. It pretty much will be up before lunchtime every day. So you'll be able to listen whenever you want. And team, we got a lot of work ahead of us. Honored to have you with me as always. Shields high.